so there's 100,000 beds and there's going to be 168 million elders. Is that what you said? 173 million by 2026. And that's the population <laughs> that you're looking at. Yeah. So there's literally no comparison. It means a 10 or a 12x increase, you know, every decade to match up to that. Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Danif, and today we're getting a unique insight into the aged care landscape in India with the help of our guest, Naya Sinha. Naya is CEO of Epoch Care, one of India's leading aged care providers that specializes in dementia care and helping people living with dementia transfer from a traditional family environment to a higher care facility. In this episode, we're really focused in on the challenges and successes of aged care in India and how this relatively new industry will grow over the coming years. Before we get to the interview, just a quick note to say that if you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them with your friends and colleagues. And if you want to be super helpful, you can leave us a review wherever you're listening. And that's it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Naya Sinha. Well, Naya, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, it's, it's our pleasure. You're actually our first guest from India and you've got quite an extensive background as a clinical psychologist and as a co-founder of an aged care company in India. Can you walk us through some of your journey and, and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, sure. I think when I started off this venture and we, we actually thought about Epoch Elder Care and this was when I met Kabir who was the founder this is in 2011 and when we met we were actually trying to just do something very light uh, you know a light model of engagement for elders mm -hmm. this is what our initial thought was and we actually started off as a home care company we just wanted to kind of uh, provide something called intellectual companionship. That was literally our main offering when we started off like that in 2012. Mm -hmm. And we had about two, 300 elders who we used to visit, let's say a couple of times a week, go spend time with them, play a game, take them out for a coffee, go watch a movie, you know, literally just spending time and being a grandchild to them. So this is what actually we started off doing, but it's very different from who we are today. And one of the things that I quickly realized was as a person, it really matters to me if I am able to solve someone's problem or not. And when I used to visit one of uh, these homes, let's say an elder who has dementia or a chronic condition, and I was like, you know, they, they needed help and I was like, okay, what can I do? I mean, there's nothing that I could offer at that time that, that kind of really set both of us thinking. And then we decided to actually shut down that part of the business and pivot and move into residential care and do something very, very different. Almost go to the other end of the spectrum to do specialized care. And I think the journey has been amazing in the sense that 
I didn't really have a clear vision that in 10 years, I want to be like the CEO of a big company. It should have X number of homes. It should do well. So many team members. It all happened in a flow. And I, I never, ever thought that I would be an entrepreneur. But I guess when you're really, really um, sort of passionate about something, you just, you know, end up being one. What were the sort of things that you wanted to really handle differently when you guys founded Epoch Care? I think the most important thing is specialized care, just understanding what geriatric care is all about. Because gerontology and geriatric care in India is not something which people are aware about. And people, I literally have to give them an analogy to understand that for children, they are pediatrics. They are there for a reason because, you know, the need of children and babies are different. And similarly, as you age, a general physician who looks after you and me cannot in the sense is not probably that well equipped to you know look after an elder so the fact that everything needs to be specialized starting from a counselor to a nurse to a physiotherapist to a nutritionist all of these need to have some form of understanding of what aging looks like mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest gaps that i had in myself as well and i upskilled and read up and you know all of those things so yeah that that would be definitely the top most you write lots of uh, articles online, whether that's on the Epoch Care website or published as a guest post or another site. And something you've talked about is mental health among seniors. Why do you think it's not receiving much attention? You know, as a psychologist, I've always felt this, that anything to do with mental health or mental faculties is very misunderstood. And there is sort of a lack of awareness because a lot of people think that the person has uh, control over it. There's very little understanding about the biological basis of mental health. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're depressed or you're hallucinating. I mean, you know, come on, distract yourself, do something, concentrate on your work or look up some hobbies, go meet some friends. So it's almost like I have a control over these symptoms. And it is also one of the misconceptions also like it's a sign of weakness. Mm. So a lot of people... In fact, most people don't understand or don't see it as a physical illness. So if somebody has diabetes, you're not going to say that you're doing it on purpose. You know, your blood sugar is running high or you're doing it on purpose. You should like concentrate on getting your blood sugar down. So, but that is the reaction that a lot of people give to mental health concerns. And therefore, uh, people don't realize how debilitating uh, it can become and that you can actually lead a very, very crippled life if you have a mental health condition and then it goes untreated. It happens across all age groups, yeah, not just elders. Uh, how do you guys, how do you deal with that challenge at Epoch Care? One of the things that we do a lot is talk about the work we do in the sense, not explain the services we offer, but why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. So spreading awareness. So when we have someone uh, who is looking for a space for their parent. And in India, what happens is it's never the elder who is the decision maker, especially, you know, at the age row, which is 80, 85 plus. It's, it's actually the child or children or even relatives who comes and speaks to us and takes the decision almost on their behalf. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that happens. In fact, a lot of elders who move into a care home probably are not even aware that they are in a professionally run care home because culturally it's it's not something which comes naturally, which is acceptable, which is in their mind would be the right thing to do. 
So we also kind of work around that. We choose to not orient elders in the sense that we let them be in the world they are in, mm-hmm. because it would be very distressing to reinforce the fact that you're actually in a care home, because most of them, after a couple of months, just think that we are family members and they are living in their old house and things like that. Coming back to how do we deal with mental health conditions is largely again destigmatizing uh, mental health. And how do we do it is, you know, just explaining that a person with a mental health condition can lead a perfectly normal life. It's all about how you manage their life. How do you equip them? So our care plan for dementia focuses on, is very person-centered, of course, but it also focuses on keeping the person as independent as possible. Mm -hmm. Another different aspect culturally in India is is that elders, typically elders who come from, uh, you know, well-off families or backgrounds are always surrounded by a lot of resources. So they come from, you know, large homes where they probably have domestic help and they've not really done any personal chores for a while. And that adds to their dependency. Mm-hmm. And when they come here, if we we try to build in small things into their schedule, like, you know, at least keep, you know, let's say folding their clothes or doing a small kitchen activity or even dusting their room and things like that. So all of these, these things can easily be done and adds a feeling of purpose for an elder. And that is how, you know, we kind of plan our um, days. Great. And going back to something you said before about trying to replicate sort of a family environment, do you shape the space so it feels more like a a family environment? Are there small groups of residents living in in a smaller area? How does that work? Yeah. So basically the size of our independent homes are between, let's say, 15 to 25 rooms. Mm -hmm. We don't want to on purpose create larger facilities which are you know let's say 40 50 or 60 rooms and so on because one of our care philosophies is that we don't want the homes to feel institutional and that's also to do with the stigma and the taboo around sending your parents away to an institution or a nursing home so the physical infrastructure of the home the way it's designed i actually call it uh, imperfect homes which means that it's not a hotel or a hospital it's a home. So it's okay if the resident room is a little messy or the lounge or the corner has a newspaper open or the cushion is a little crumpled because elders who have stayed in their home, are they didn't really have complete, perfect settings. And that is one of the things they'll automatically not relate to if everything looks too perfect. So that is one of the things that we do a lot. We also do a lot of handmade decor instead of buying stuff from the market so a lot of our team members sit around with elders and do craft work and all our door decors or the name of the residents on the doors they're all handmade stuff and they change according to whatever the theme is so let's say it was valentine's day so we made hearts and in march there's something called holy which is a festival of colors so we would you know do accordingly and things like that Mm-hmm. And also uh, meal timings or the way we do activities are in small groups and it's uh, the meals would be served in a table in a small, uh, not as a buffet, but you know how you lay down the table and just eat it at mm-hmm. home. Um, so they, yeah, there are all these elements that we kind of put together to really replicate an environment. And the last thing I, I would like to add is before we take someone in, we also try and visit the elders home and see if we can replicate their room mm. inside um, the room over here. So get their favorite, let's say armchair or the favorite mug or the favorite clock, whatever they relate to pictures. And we try and see if we can kind of make it a familiar space for them. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. I can see that being extremely rewarding if you can make them feel comfortable from day one as they move into the facility. One of the, the main differences I feel between Australia and India, and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in this aged care space would be that the family probably operates a bit differently in India to how it does in Australia. And my assumption is that a lot of older adults will continue to live with their family and be cared for by their family. Is there a stigma amongst the population about aged care being, you know, not a proper way to care for your elders? Yeah, absolutely. And it will continue to be this way, Ash, because culturally in India, an elder is always an individual responsibility. It's it's not the responsibility of the community or the government or any larger you know group for that matter. It's always the child who is responsible for it, like in most Asian countries. Mm. So yes, there is definitely a lot of stigma and a lot of guilt that we have seen when you know children reach out for professional care, not only just residential care, but even home care. The fact that, you know, I'm not able to bathe my mom and I'm actually getting someone from outside to do this job, you know, I'm not a good child. So those kind of things are very much prevalent. I think more than 80% of our elders would continue to stay at with their families or even in their homes, Mm. not move into a retirement community, forget about a care home. But what is happening right now is, Obviously, India is a very, very evolving nation. And just the simple fact that more and more women are joining the workforce and family structures have broken down. There are nuclear families right now. And even if you do live in a joint family, everyone, including grandchildren, are so busy. They lead busy lives and you can't really blame them. So everyone just has so much to do nowadays. So ironically, what we have seen is children don't take this decision to send their parent to a care home but most elders who stay with their families end up being even more isolated mm. because at least in a retirement community or a care home you do come out of the room there is a program there is a structure for you to socially engage but in a home you're probably just alone the whole day and you're with domestic help with whom you obviously don't have an intellectual connect so so hence larger cities so obviously in metropolitan cities where there are more corporate staff uh, sorry more corporate people whose parents are there and they are more aware for them it's easier to take this decision to seek professional care mm. but more traditional setups they would still try and do it themselves right that it sounds like a challenge that you'd be facing every day and and as somebody new comes into facility you'd be having conversations with families and trying to assure them that they're making a good decision that their elders are in, in safe hands do you have any sort of like follow-up procedures or do you keep in touch with the family in a special way to make them feel a bit more comfortable oh yes that's a very interesting question actually so yes so making the family part of the decision and also part of the care plan and one of our literally one of our goals for the nursing team is to ensure that the elder is more connected to their family members than they were before. Mm. So, for example, you know, Indians who are overseas and their parents were alone, they would struggle to get on an iPad or do a FaceTime and things like that. But once they are here, we make sure that we can connect to them every day, send a video about them. They can do a video call at any point and things like that. Send them a weekly note. We keep families posted very closely about what's happening because also in India, trust is not... So trust and integrity go hand in hand. And both of these things are not taken for granted. I mean, you don't really see trust come on very easily or people with integrity function that way. 
we try our best to ensure that we literally explain and inform family members about day-to-day updates. Uh, there's a formal weekly update which goes on, but we form, let's say, a WhatsApp group and send their daily picture or a daily video. Mm. And also, care plans are collaborative. So if we have to take a decision about, you know, change in, let's say, a meal plan or change in something more serious like a surgery or a hospital appointment, then we try and get the family members on a call, explain to them what's happening, take their opinion and things like that. So this is after they move in. Before they move in, it's actually a series of conversations that typically happen, not just with the the main family member, but sometimes it's also extended family members. Mm. Sometimes it's neighbors, sometimes it's relatives, sometimes it's just like anyone who has a say. It's it's, it's like, you know, I like to joke about it. It's like a, a wedding in India. When you have a wedding in India, you typically consult like a lot of people about the mm-hmm. <laughs> alliance. So it's very similar here. So our admissions in charge, Aditi, she would literally spend time speaking and counseling with all these family members and explaining to them sometimes they come and spend a day they have a meal with us all sorts of things just to make them feel comfortable wow that's really interesting compared to australia where it's a bit more hands-off it sounds like it's it's a much more intensive process to to get everybody involved and, and that probably translates into a lot more work for the staff for the carers and for the for your team is that such as the reality of, of operating in aged care in India? Yeah, yeah. And especially in a dementia care home. Because like I explained, children feel guilty when they know that their parents are not taking the decision. Mm. And we also have to explain to them that if you sort of explain to your parent that you have dementia, I can't look after you, you need to go to home, it's not, it's not going to happen. So it's both it's a two-edged sword, right? So, so the guilt is much more that, oh my God, I'm taking this decision on behalf of my father. He doesn't even know I'm moving him out. So yeah, it it gets quite intense. Yeah, I can imagine. And something that I could see perhaps being another challenge in India as well is because it's such a diverse country, right? You have many different cultures and, and languages and how do you how do you encompass all this diversity in in a residential care facility? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think the diversity we take it as a huge positive. It kind of helps us break the monotony in several ways. We take it in a manner that helps us create diverse engagement plans or you know food festivals or celebrations and things like that, and everyone comes together and sort of enjoys the cultural the various cultural aspects. For carers, you know, I personally feel what really is important is knowing the elder as a person. Mm -hmm. And for that, you don't really need to uh, be from the same background. You just need to have genuine interest in understanding who this person is. And that is one of our core philosophies at Epoch is that we focus on the person as much as the clinical condition. Mm -hmm. Most of our elders, obviously, who move in with us have some form of medical, chronic condition, um, dementia, Parkinson's or nursing needs. So very easy to view them as a patient more than as, as, as a person. So we actually spend a lot of time with families to understand their past histories, understanding their childhood, understanding where they were born, what was their first school like, who were their siblings, what were their interests back in their 20s, and, you know, just understanding their love stories, you know, all of those things which have essentially shaped them as a person. And once we understand this, we actually capture it in the form of a mini bio and it kind of goes up into 
uh, the walls, like we have a resident wall of stories. So every resident has a little bio just explaining, capturing who this is as a person. And before the admission, we all sit down together and understand, okay, who is this new family member mm-hmm. who is coming in? You're listening to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures. We're on a mission to examine ways to improve the quality of care and the quality of life for seniors. And each week, we're bringing age care industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals directly to you to share their knowledge, stories, and experiences. In season one of the podcast, we delivered thought-provoking and meaningful episodes covering consumer experience, dementia care, palliative care, service transformation, and research and innovation. And we've got plenty more amazing guests lined up for season two. So maybe you'd like to partner with us and have your message showcased directly to our rapidly growing audience of aged care executives and people working within the industry. For advertising inquiries, please email acepodcast at silver, that's S-I-L-V-R, adventures.com.au. Now let's get back to this week's guest. For example, if if you have a, a resident who doesn't speak Hindi or English and they might speak Tamil or Punjab or another language, do you have do you have to have staff that cover a large selection of different languages so they can communicate with the elder? So ninety percent of our elders do have you know working knowledge of Hindi and English both. It's actually English which sometimes become a challenge for our care assistants, nursing assistants, because they're mostly trained in Hindi uh-huh. and they sometimes make an effort to understand English. So that ways if English and in Hindi is good, then it works. But of course the comfort with mother tongue is an added, you know, advantage if we do happen to have a staff who has come from that part of the country, then it's a huge advantage and we make sure that that person gets allocated to this elder. Mm. Not, I think it also depends on where you are in India. So the north, mostly we are in Gurgaon, which is, you know, like a satellite city from Delhi. Mm -hmm. So there Hindi is, you know, is basically the core language. And then we are also in the west, which is also again Hindi. But if you go down to the south, or you go to extreme east, then we would probably uh, hire team members who speak those languages. Now, you said that you're you're in a satellite city of Delhi. I've just got the map up now. Can you remind me of, of what it's called, the city? So this is quite a quite a, uh, a corporate city, right? This is built up around industry and, and enterprise. What does aged care look like in more rural areas? Is there any sort of formalized government involvement in aged care or any sort of organizations that run similar services or is it more just left to the families in rural areas? Well, rural areas is definitely left to the families at the moment. I mean, see what happens is aged care is largely viewed as a health concern. Mm-hmm. But as you know, the work in the industry would understand it's much more than just physical or medical health. It's actually so many aspects of what aging uh, looks like and, you know, how you care for elders. So in rural uh, areas, the focus, so let's say primary health center and, you know, smaller districts would basically uh, cater to the physical health of elders. But uh, not, again, nothing specialized. It's not that there's a geriatric Mm. A physician out there and there is pretty much and it's almost like in smaller cities and in villages it is a sense of community who's responsible and they you know kind of take turns in looking after each other's children and caring for each other's parents so that's how it doesn't really escalate into an issue it's, it becomes an issue in urban areas where 
you know, you don't really, you know, knock on the neighbor's door and say, hey, can you look after my mom? And I'm just going out for an errand. Mm -hmm. You don't do that in uh, settings anymore. But that still is very prevalent in rural areas. The government, unfortunately, is not very proactive in formalizing a structure, whether it is in terms of policy or, you know, formalizing cares or standardizing care facilities, skilling and training. I mean, there are a ton of things that need to be done. There is a national policy, but very few people follow them. The industry has evolved, definitely. But the role of the government is something which we are not very happy with. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably a common sentiment around the world is, is how the government is relating to industry. So what do you think are the, the kind of lasting changes that you would like to make through your work in aged care? So dementia is definitely one of the things that I talk a lot about, uh, something, of course, I specialize in. The reason why I always bring up dementia in every forum that I speak uh, is because it's really, really very misunderstood. In India, there's a term called satya gaye which basically means that someone who's above 60 is supposed to behave a little, you know, it's okay for the 60-year-old to be a little weird. Let's just... Mm-hmm say it like that but that's not true right it's it's probably because the person has early onset of dementia and needs help but what we've done is we have normalized impairment when we've normalized any such symptom or deviation and not got the attention that it requires and just to explain to people that this is not a psychiatric condition This is not becoming mad. And no, a 100-year-old elder will not just, not all 100-year-old elders talk incoherently. Mm -hmm. It's like once you're 60 or 70, and 60 is too young now, but once you're 70, 75, you're just written off. So that is one of the things that I, you know, kind of really want to leave an impression in the thought process of, uh, you know, especially youngsters. So like we have an elder who is a hundred year old, we are getting her vaccinated today. One thought process is that she is already hundred. I mean, why are you kind of doing this to her? Mm. The other is that it is all about the quality of life. If she does get the infection and, you know, there is discomfort, even if it is for a month or two, I want to prevent it. So the whole concept of focusing on quality of life, irrespective of what the condition of the elder is, is also something that I'm very, very passionately um, passionate about in helping people understand that there is a lot of things that you can do, even if somebody is 98 or 99. Yeah, we're running out of time and we've covered so much stuff, but I wanted to ask you now, what are you optimistic about in the coming years? What do you think are going to be the the most exciting changes? See, aged care is definitely a sunrise industry. (laughs) It's it's just the start. And people, when we started nine years back, if we went to a forum or a conference for elder care, there would hardly be like eight, ten people, you know, eight, ten organizations participating. Mm. And today, if you walk in, there are, um, you know, a couple of hundred people. So that's a, that's a huge, huge uh, difference. And like super proud to see how the industry in India has started evol- evolving. It's very fragmented, of course, but it's very collaborative because there is no, um, 
a sort of competitiveness which is kind of kicked in at the moment because we know that the gap between demand and supply is so huge mm. that you know everyone has to do their bit and still you know kind of it will fall short and to give you a sense like today elders comprise almost 10% 8 to 10% of our population and mm. by 2050 is going to be 19% and that's you know like a huge increase and in terms of let's say care homes or beds which are available mm-hmm. there so it's forecasted that india would have 173 million elders in the next couple of decades yeah <laughs> so just imagine <laughs> and the number of beds that you have today is less than a lakh mm. sorry this, this word always confuses me the lakh is something i know this is a word that's really common in india but we don't have this in australia it's like 10000 is it a lakh <laughs> one lakh is zero point one million. Ten lakh, ten lakh is one million. Okay, hundred thousand. Awesome. I always get confused by that. So there's a hundred thousand beds, and there's going to be a hundred and sixty-eight million elders. Is that what you said? Hundred and seventy-three million by twenty twenty-six, and that's the population <laughs> that you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So there is literally no comparison. It needs a ten or a twelve x increase, you know, every decade to match up to that. So it's very exciting because I see the changes in attitude. I see that people are sitting up and realizing the pandemic, in that sense, has really one done one thing and made people realize that yeah, elders can't be just left alone because all this while. in india you always thought that you know the neighbor could come or i could fly down or i could drive down but once the you know india went into a lockdown for 3 months and nobody could go anywhere and all mm. elders who stayed by themselves in the family their domestic health didn't show up right and they're all like i explained earlier they're all used to these resources being around them all sorts of people coming home and helping them out and that suddenly stopped so now people are realizing that okay you know we can't take it for granted we need to take a decision about seeking professional care so that way yes i think globally it's very interesting i think technology is one of the things that would play a very very important role you know in shaping aged care services i think good amount of research and and dementia early diagnosis all of these things have now you're beginning to see literally the light at the end of the tunnel i'm sure that in a couple of decades from now we would be able to focus more on preventive care and not curative that needs to be a phenomena that's it in fact that's the only thing that can improve the quality of life and ensure that they are also seen as a productive and important part of the society and not just you know a dependent and you know helpless section of the society so so yeah yeah lots to look forward to the it's it is great that as you said you're right at the start of this new wave and it's it's going to change and it's all happening now is there anything else you want to chat about today before we before we leave it there uh, no i think it's been wonderful chatting with you is um, very happy to you know share whatever little knowledge or experience that i have had it's been fantastic naya thanks so much for your time thank you ash thank you so much well we hope you enjoyed this episode of the age care enrichment podcast brought to you by silver adventures Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today 
at www.silver.adventures.com.au. See you next week.